0: filler in business books and audiobooks takes up time that you don't have you're here because you want the golden nuggets from each book without all the bs the more you learn the more power you have to affect the world around you this is the cut the crap podcast never read a book again and here's your host ryan calajuri What's going on everybody? I hope you're all doing really well today. Thank you once again for joining me on Cut the Crap podcast where you're here to get the golden nuggets from each business book week after week. Got to remind you guys, go to cutthecrappodcast.com and sign up for the mind maps. The mind maps will help complement the podcast really well. You can have a physical mind map in front of you. It's just a PDF. Go ahead, print it up, save it on your uh, on your desktop. I find it really useful for myself because if I don't want to go back and listen to another episode, I might just have the physical copy in front of me where all the gold nuggets are there. So I can go back and reference it and that's essentially what I do. So I figure if I find it useful, you might find it useful as well too. So if you want those mind maps, go to cutthecrappodcast.com, go to the premium content page and uh, sign up right there. All you need is your first name, last name, and email. All right, let's get into it. So the business book that we're going to cover this week is called Spin Selling. Now, I really want to focus on a book that's strictly about sales. We did Ultimate Sales Machine a couple weeks ago, and this is a nice short read. There's only a few golden nuggets from this one, but they're really, really important golden nuggets, especially if you're a rookie in sales. If you're a little green in sales, you might find this one a little bit helpful because it'll give you a good framework that you can move forward with in sales. Now, the spin selling strategy, now it's actually a method, the spin selling strategy. was developed from 12 years of research and after 35,000 sales calls, spin selling is in use by many of the world's top sales forces. You know, it's very interesting. A stat that was shared in the book itself said that the first students trained in the spin model instantly improved 17% in terms of their sales results. Now, I don't know what 17% 17% improvement means maybe it's just uh, an ability to close a sale, an ability to move people from one step to another. Regardless, the proof is in the pudding there. The spin selling method has been around for a long time, and I know a lot of people who use it. So I figured it'd be a really good thing to share with all of you. If you're new into sales, if you want to buff up and maybe try some new sales approaches, maybe sales isn't working out quite so well with you, this might be something to give it a shot with. All right, so let's get right into it. I condensed spin selling down to five core golden nuggets. And while you might think five golden nuggets from such an awesome book, yeah, you know, the book is really great. But I'm taking it from the perspective of how can I learn something from this book? How can I take something from this book and apply it in my job? If I'm in a sales role, and maybe I'm struggling at sales right now and I need some help, I need a framework, I need something that'll help me in my role, that's what I'm trying to do here today. The golden nuggets that I took from Spin Selling, I believe that if you implemented them, will help you become a better sales professional. It's just that simple. Listen to this episode, share this episode with somebody, and I can guarantee you, It'll make you a better salesperson because you're taking pieces of this framework and implementing them into your own sales process. And as we go through it, you'll see how easy it really is. All right, so let's get into this. Golden nugget number one, what is spin selling? So spin selling is an approach to sales that the author Neil Rackham created, and it's based off of four question types. Now, one of the key findings of the large study that was conducted, which eventually led to the creation of spin selling, was that in successful sales calls, it was the buyer who did most of the talking, not the seller. That doesn't happen very often. Most times, it's the seller who does more talking. And it's funny, somebody I worked with previously said that their mentor gave them one piece of advice that they never forgot. That piece of advice was, shut up. (laughs) shut up great piece of advice and you know while maybe it comes off a little bit harsh the study that neil rackham uh, uh, conducted essentially backs that up talk less and let the buyer talk more let the person on the other side of the table talk more but the question is how do you get the person on the other side of the table talking more easy by asking the right questions Perhaps the most important thing to take away from this book is that the good salespeople didn't just ask any type of questions. In fact, they asked a certain type of question and they asked those questions in a particular order as well, too. So the author and his team, they defined those question types into four categories. You have situation questions, problem questions, implication questions, and need payoff questions. So obviously, if you're sitting there listening, you can kind of figure it out. Spin, S-P-I-N, situation, problem, implication, need payoff. That essentially is spin selling. Spin selling is a methodology that was developed based on these four question types. So now when you go into a new sales call or when you're facing facing off, when you're face-to-face with the prospect and you need to lead a sales call, if you use spin selling you use these question types, it'll help provide a focus for you as you go through a sales meeting. I find this very easy to follow. Now, it's easy to follow on paper. It's a lot harder to execute in person. It takes practice. It takes time to realize the the pattern that you're in, to ask questions, to see the responses, and respond in favor by following the process of spin. And as I go through the golden nuggets and teach you a little bit more about the spin selling strategy, I would encourage you to try it out on your next sales call. What do you have to lose? I mean, granted, don't try this out with anybody that you're further down in the the sales process with. This is all based on, you know, a lot of new business development. So next time you're across the table or on a call with a prospect, try out this new method. What do you have to lose? Golden nugget number two. What are situation questions? All right, situation questions are questions in the sales process that ask for background or facts. These questions are key to understanding the context for uncovering buyer problems. So if you want to uncover buyer problems, you have to start with situation questions. And these are the questions that you want to start off with after you've introduced yourself, of course, because they're easy. They're easy to ask. They're easier to answer. And it just gets the prospect warmed up. It starts building a rhythm for the sales call and the sales meeting. They're just really easy to get going. So situation questions, you start off with those. An example of situation questions could be, you know, how do you acquire clients? How satisfied are your clients? If you acquire two clients a month using cold calling, how much time do you spend on that or how much time do you spend on that a week? Or since you have such a high client satisfaction, what are you doing that your competitors aren't? Now, situation questions, again, they're the easiest ones to get started with because they don't put the prospect on the defensive It gets them talking to you, which builds rapport, and it gives you further information so that you can start to steer the conversation towards outlining certain problems. Now, the reality behind situation questions, though, is that they help the seller more than they help the buyer. And the more situation questions you ask in a call, the less likely that the call was to succeed. Now, again, this comes from the 35,000 calls that the author um, reportedly kept track of. So the more situation questions you ask, the more likely it was to fail. And the funny thing about this was that most salespeople ask a lot of situation questions. So by just learning that by by itself, look inside your own sales process. Look at the kind of patterns you get into. Do you ask a lot of situational-based questions? Because if you do, maybe there's a reason you're not closing a lot of sales. So while yes, it's true, most buyers would rather talk about themselves or their business than listen to a sales pitch, the research from this book is showing that the more senior the buyer, the less likely they were to enjoy answering factual questions. So don't spend too much time asking situation questions ask enough questions to give you context it gives you an understanding of the background it helps you develop you know a base set of facts and it allows you to uncover problems that you can then take to the next stage which obviously as you know are problem questions golden nugget number three what are problem questions so problem questions are questions in the sales process that ask about the prospect's problems, obviously, their difficulties, dissatisfactions. Uh, This is a critical step because once the prospect realizes they have a problem, they'll then realize they have a need. And people only buy once they realize they have a need or a want. And it's also really important for them to come to that realization themselves. So by asking problem questions, you'll get to that point. So an example of such problem questions could be, do you have any problems with your current approach to getting new printing contracts? Or do you find your sales system isn't as effective as you would like? So if you can use problem questions well enough, you can get the prospect engaging with you and realizing again that they have a problem and they want it corrected. Now, the next step is to get them to realize all of the implications the problem creates for them, what the benefits would be of having the problem corrected, and then letting them know how you can correct the problem. You know, a really important piece here that I took away, and it's something that's really, really critical, is that inexperienced salespeople ask less problem questions than the more experienced counterparts do. And not only do the more experienced salespeople ask more problem questions, they also tend to ask them sooner in the sales meeting. Fascinating. So if you're relatively new to selling or if you're not that seasoned in sales, then practicing your problem questions is probably the single most important thing that you can do to immediately improve your sales results. Asking problem questions should be a large portion of any sales call. Golden nugget number four, what are implication questions? Implication questions are the most powerful of all the sales questions because they help the buyer see that the problem is serious enough to justify making a change. Implication questions are questions in the sales process that ask about the problem's consequences, their effects, or impacts. Now, this step is critical because once the prospect realizes they have a problem, pointing out the implications can show the problem is much larger than what they initially thought. And the idea behind the implication questions is to extend and expand the effects of the problem and link the problem or other potential problems to make the buyer eager to find a solution, a solution that you have. So sample uh, implication questions are... How has missing sales hurt your ability to invest in new equipment and new ways to diversify your business? Or have long sales cycles ever hurt your ability to generate new opportunities? So implication questions that you ask should be well thought out. And You know, I know it's difficult, especially if you're on a sales call, but if possible, plan them out ahead of time. You might have to make some estimated guesses about what certain problems they might have, or you might have gotten a tip on certain problems they're having. So if you are, um, or if you do come to the table with that kind of information, then it might be good to plan out some of your implication questions. Now, why do I say that? Well, when asking implication questions, you need to be careful not to ask a question that the prospect will say an implication doesn't exist. If this happens, the prospect's interest in buying will immediately decrease. So that's why I say it's best to plan out your questions ahead of time. But if you find out the problems and they're new problems that uh, you just find out in a meeting, essentially you're just going to have to think on your feet and do your best. But always err on the side of caution though and don't ask the question if you think there's a chance the prospect will say there's no implication. If this is the case, then just continue to ask problem questions until you can identify an implication. So another thing you need to be careful not to do is identify an implication that you can't fix with your product or service. I mean, it seems fairly straightforward, but I mean, it's an important point to mention. If you do that, the prospect will immediately look for another supplier who can fill that need. You'll also want to be careful that you don't ask implication questions too early on in the call. If you haven't built rapport, it's too early on in the process. So an interesting tidbit that I took away was that new salespeople often don't see a clear link between the buyer's problem and their solution. But as they get more experience, you know, this kind of thing starts coming more natural to them and they can kind of see the links that happen. But the challenge here was that when they did see a link, inexperienced salespeople immediately jump down the prospect's throat with their product. Oh, I see a problem, I see how our solution's link to it, let me tell you about our product. And they jump right into it, no that's too early doing that is wrong in contrast though for their experienced counterparts those people who are more experienced in sales and who are more successful once they found that link they didn't just jump into telling them what their product or service could do to address that problem no instead they held back and they discussed the effects of these problems before talking about their products and solutions So they took a step back to tell a more in-depth story. And that in-depth story was essentially told by the buyer. You see what I mean here? The buyer eventually painted that picture themselves as the seller started to talk about the problems and the implications of the problems. That picture started to get painted and the buyer started to realize, holy crap, this is a big problem. And by taking a step back, the successful salesperson, the more experienced salesperson, was able to help that person paint a picture for themselves, which will make the sale a lot easier to close in the next phase here. Pretty cool, right? So don't just jump down the client's throat once you actually see that your problem or that your product can address their problem. Instead, focus more on discussing the effects of these problems and help them paint a picture for themselves. All right, and finally, golden nugget number five, wrapping up the N and spin, what are need payoff questions? So need payoff questions get the buyer to tell you about their needs and the benefits your solution offers rather than forcing you as the salesperson to explain the benefits to the buyer. So it's often said that selling is not about convincing buyers, but about creating the right conditions to allow buyers To convince themselves Ah, pretty cool i love that and that's kind of the point that i was going at earlier when i was talking about getting them to paint their own picture it's far more powerful than you trying to paint that picture for them so given that there's no perfect solutions in a complex sale getting your prospect to generate a number of payoffs is really really important because if you focus only on one payoff one positive result You run the risk of the buyer focusing on the areas that you don't solve rather than the ones that you do solve. So a couple examples of need payoff questions are, how much time would you save if we could reduce your selling time by 33%? Or if you could close 20% more deals, what effect would that have on your bottom line? So when you ask questions like that, those need payoff questions, you'll also want to ask questions that make the buyer actively specify payoffs for you so the way to do that is to ask pointed questions and how the solution could benefit them so instead of asking the prospect would that be useful to you ask them what would that enable you to do that you can't do now see the difference one is more open-ended and allows them to give you more payoffs the other one is a little bit more close-ended so another key you'll want to take away here is that you want to ask need payoff questions before describing your solution. So why do you want to do that? You want to do that because it'll make the buyer more eager to listen to you and hear about your solution rather than if you just bombard them with the solution right away. So there's a common pattern here. A lot of the times we just want to jump in there and because we're so excited. We want to tell everybody about our product, our service, and how it can help them if there's another takeaway you can take away from spin selling, it's that you don't always have to jump in there and offer information about your product and service. Sometimes by just taking it easy and learning more, following the spin selling process, it'll allow your prospect to make the decision themselves. How powerful is that? It allows you to completely gain interest of the prospect by laying all of this groundwork beforehand, by being patient, by taking time to ask questions, these four questions. It lays a really strong foundation that will allow you to move into a sales conversation a lot easier. All right, there we have it spin selling condensed down to five core golden nuggets. Fantastic read. I really enjoyed this book because of the spin framework that came out of it because it's been tested. And while it's been tested and yes, you know, it's proven to help salespeople increase their results and become more successful. I really like this because it provides a lot of inexperienced salespeople or salespeople who work without a system. It gives them a system. It gives them a framework that they can use in the field now the key here is that it's not going to work right away. You're going to stumble, you know, it's not going to be as flowing or free flowing as you might like at first, but it takes practice. Practice makes perfect. It's cliche, but in this case, it's true. Use this framework to your advantage. It'll definitely help you in the sales process. So in summary here, spin selling suggests that you just develop a questioning mindset. The book states that it's more important to understand than it is to persuade. And I could not agree with that more. What a powerful, powerful concept here. And it's actually very similar to the fifth habit from Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Successful People, which says, seek first to understand and then to be understood. Perfect, that's a wrap. Thank you so much, you guys, for listening again this week. Tune in next week to Cut the Crap Podcast where I'll bring you a brand new business book and all the golden nuggets with it. You guys take it easy. Have yourselves a great week.